Welcome to the Kegel Room, a podcast for women of color to learn all the things you didn't learn about pelvic health, from sex to childbirth, pain, fitness, and then some. I'm your host, Dr. Camille Siegel, a licensed pelvic floor physical therapist. Let's get right to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Kegel Room. And today, my special guest is Dr. Ayodeli Adegbola, and she is the founder of Ayomi Physical Therapy in Freehold, New Jersey. She is also a pelvic health physical therapist, and she specializes in bowel, bladder, and sexual dysfunction. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here, and I hope to Um, learn from you as well as sharing everything that you would like to learn from me. Yes, yes. So in this episode, I specifically wanted to focus on an exercise. I don't think it's new, but I think it's new to some people. (laughs) And there's a trend towards it, but it's called hypopressives or hippopressives um, exercise. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be focusing on that. But before we get into that, can you share a little bit more about yourself and what got you into pelvic floor physical therapy? Yes, so that's a question that I get all the time. And it's really quite simple how it unfolded, but there's a lot that went into it as well. So when I was a college student, I was a, an advocate for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault, um, working closely with the local police department to help women and men that endured such Um, situations. Loved it, was super passionate about it, but I just knew myself well and really grew to understand that I can't really make a lifestyle or a career out of it simply because it's so emotionally involved. And I just knew that it would, it could quickly lead to burnout. And so keeping that in mind, I still decided to pursue healthcare because Um, A lot of my family members are in healthcare, so I had a passion in that arena. So fast forward a few years, um, I went to physical therapy school at NYU, and I started to learn more about the different avenues of physical therapy, and of course learned about women's health, and I felt like, okay, I have arrived, like I have (laughs) found my purpose. And ultimately, what I decided to do was blend my my heart and my passion for women and all the things that we go through with physical therapy and rehabilitation. And here I am today. I love that. That's such a great story. And I completely understand the working with, you know, domestic violence and sexual assault, how emotional that can be. I have not done that, but even just as a physical therapist, we still have to treat individuals who have been abused or assaulted, right. and that that is emotional and just the nature of who we are. I think we sort of absorb some of that, some of those feelings, and Absolutely. unfortunately, we carry it home sometimes, and we have to, that's why we have to create our own spaces where we can sort of come out of that and not let it affect us as much, which is why I'm so big on self-care for pelvic floor PTs. Yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, there have been times where I was working with uh, patients and they disclosed a history of sexual trauma and they said, well, you're the first person I've ever told 
Yeah. And so that's a huge weight that we right. have to endure. Right. And so it's only allowed me to get closer and to treat this patient population with the, you know, the the care that they really deserve. So tell me what kinds of patients are you seeing on a regular basis? What conditions? So I treat a lot of stress urinary incontinence, uh, prolapse, fecal incontinence, constipation, pelvic pain. Um, But in terms of what my passion really is, I love Mm -hmm. to treat chronic pain only because there's such a joy that I have when I help to restore livelihoods. And, you know, I just really want to be that person for them because oftentimes people have these chronic conditions for several years, not knowing that there was any, ever any help for them. And so that's really where my heart um, becomes fulfilled when I'm able to treat that population. And then also constipation because I also have a background and just chronic constipation myself. And once I've discovered the key to, um, (laughs) you know, having a good bathroom trip, I decided I have to share this with the world. Agreed. I think we, many of us go into pelvic floor PT, not only because we want to help women and men, but also because we have personal experience. And when you have personal experience, it's so much easier to relate to your patients and say, I know exactly how you feel. I know what that feels like for you. Here's what we can do about it. So for them, it's good because they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, like, oh, well, if she had this and she got better, then I can certainly get better as well. Absolutely. Okay. So I love that your passion is is sort of, as you mentioned before, it's sort of blended with, you know, your heart for for treating women with chronic conditions. And I'm also finding that that's the population that I enjoy working with as well, because, you know, as you mentioned, women and men can go years without getting any form of treatment because they didn't even know it existed or they didn't think there was anything they could do about it. So it's great when they find finally physical therapy and, and they get better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, this whole time they've been suffering and they can get better or they can learn to manage it. Not all chronic pain is going to just magically go away. Sometimes right. it's just how do we manage it? How do we bring it to its lowest level possible? And then is that tolerable? Can you live like this? If not, let's yeah. get you to a point where you can be comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, because I think we can all agree that at the end of the day, We just want to restore the livelihoods that um, a lot of our patients once had, or even bring a new way of life that some of them have never been able to have. And so that there is, you know, a driving factor in terms of why we do what we do. So let's jump into what a hypopressive exercise is. So how do you pronounce it? Do you say hypopressive or do you say hippopressive? Because I've heard different things. (laughs) So I say hypopressives. I think hippopressives comes from um, Europe, where a lot of the techniques have been practiced historically. And so with their accent and, you know, their dialect, I think it's easier for them to pronounce it that way. But I'm hypopressives all the way. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm also team hypopressive. (laughs) 
So how would you describe it? Um, well, before even describing hypopressives, I think we need to talk a little bit about why low pressure, because that's essentially what hypopressives translates into, mm-hmm. why there is a need for low pressure exercise. So when we take a look at what a lot of people in the gyms are doing to restore an optimal, I'm putting this in air quotes for those that can't see me, (laughs) to restore optimal physique, right? There are a bunch of crunches and sit-ups and things that, you know, do lead people to having very nice bodies. But unfortunately, that's just not feasible for many women and men and then you know we have to be realistic about what they can do safely and effectively and so those exercises that i mentioned like such as crunches and and sit-ups those build up pressure in the abdomen right and so if we think of our core to be a soda can or something analogous to that we we need stability so that essentially we don't burst. So of course, even with this analogy, we're not just going to explode because we're created a lot more complex than just a soda can. But I always tell people that if there's a buildup of pressure in your belly, it's not going to go upward because your major organs are there, right? right. How silly would it be if you did a crunch and you got a heart attack? Like that's just <laughs> unrealistic, right? It's not going to go out to the sides because your ribs are there. They have to protect your lungs. So again, if you did a crunch, you don't want a rib fracture. But as um, beings that have pelvic floors, if we did something that built up this abdominal pressure, it's going to go somewhere that is vulnerable. And that for us is the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. because we have openings um, which allow us to urinate and defecate and enjoy um, intercourse. And so with that in mind, we have to realize that, yes, some of these exercises have been done for a long time historically, but they're not the most effective tool for us. So that's my little um, background as to why there is a need for hyperpressives to begin mm-hmm. with. And so hyperpressives, also known as low pressure fitness, is a postural form of exercise that really allows you to focus on your breathing mechanics as well. And so in different postures, you have to do what is considered normal rest breath, rest breath, excuse me. So breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then after that rest breath, you perform what is called an apnea. So apnea, just like in the expression, sleep apnea means you're no longer breathing, right? which sounds terrible, but it's a moment where you hold your breath. And after that, you would perform a false breath. And so this is basically trying to inhale against you holding your breath. What happens as a result is that you have a change in the pressure that has um, been in your belly. The ribs are able to expand. The diaphragm goes up and then the pelvic floor muscles go up as well. So. You can find uh, me doing this a little bit on my uh, Instagram page, but it creates what we call a vacuum because your stomach and your waistline essentially gets really flat, but it's because of how your diaphragm has moved up. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sucks everything in, right? Yes, absolutely. So I've seen tons of videos on mm-hmm. YouTube. I remember when I first heard about it and I was like, oh, what is this? I want to learn this. I want to try it out. And I found some videos on YouTube and they were, I don't even remember who they were, but they were not even in English because as you mentioned, this started in Europe where it's been practiced for a while. So I found the non-English speaking ones and I was able to follow it because I was able to understand it. And, and I did it. And then there were other videos and they, you know, call themselves low pressure fitness exercises, but they were different because they just weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I talk to my patients about low pressure fitness or hyperpressive exercises, I will caution them to not even find their own videos because yep. they could, it's so easy to find a video of someone not doing it correctly. I'm not sure that they're getting the benefit of doing the exercise and also as you know, with public for PT, there's a lot of misinformation (laughs) and misinformation can lead to injury sometimes. And when it comes to pelvic floor, someone can say, well, I'm doing this and it's making things worse. It doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. I often have to explain, it's not, it's not what you're doing that's making things worse. It's how you're doing it. So that's why it's important to make sure that you find someone who actually knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. if you're gonna find a video on youtube make sure it's a good video (laughs) right but i i like that you have videos on your website or your instagram page so i will absolutely link people to that so they can find videos because to me it makes sense when you're describing it what happens with the pressure and the abdominals moving in the pelvic floor moving up and the rib cage expanding the diaphragm moving up all of that makes sense to me because I know how to do it and I've done it and I've right. taught it. But to anyone else, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It makes exactly. complete sense when they see it. So I'm definitely going to make sure that people can head over to your page to see what that looks like versus finding a random video on YouTube <laughs> where it's done incorrectly. Now, I will say that there are more videos out there, but that's another story. I get such um, bug eyes, I call it, when I first <laughs> explain the technique to people. Because they're like, so you want me to hold my breath, but you and also breathe. want me to fake right. breathe. Like, how does this work? And I'm like, wait, wait, yes. wait, just let me show you. Just let's and, do it, right. And you'll be surprised. Um, so with my history of chronic constipation, it was very difficult for me to get the technique. Like you, I had known about it for a very long time, but I could not self-teach because I just assumed that maybe conceptually I wasn't understanding. So I actually had to go to pelvic floor physical therapy myself to address my limitations. Mm. And so now I understand really what is required to do this appropriately. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm so amazed when I teach patients and they're able to get it within several minutes. I'm like, man, you don't know how I struggled. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also makes me um, pretty proficient at teaching it because I know okay. where the shortcomings come in. Okay. So since you're already discussing that, can we talk about <laughs> some other difficulties or challenges and limitations that you have found in teaching this exercise? With my experience, I can certainly say that people have a hard time relaxing their belly. When you see the technique, 
um, the automatic assumption is that you must use your abs in order to create that yeah, rib lift or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and the abdominal vacuum. But um, the exact opposite is true where you actually have to relax. And so if you think about it for a patient like me that struggled with chronic constipation where in order to have a bowel movement, you're straining and you're putting so much pressure um, throughout the abdomen, it completely makes sense why somebody like me would have difficulty doing it. So that right there is the number one issue that I found that people just can't relax and let go of their bellies. And I think it's just uh, hard in general for women to let go of their bellies because we have this stigma of like, always suck it in, always look fit, always, you know, like we, we roll out of bed and we're like, suck it in, suck it in. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and magazines and social media, like, there's just too much inputs that we have to look a certain way and relaxing Absolutely. our bellies is really difficult to do because it's pudgy. You don't want anyone mm-hmm. to see your pudge. That's unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we have to teach our ladies to let it all hang. Because <laughs> anything else is for the detriment of the pelvic floor. And we really don't want that. Right, right. But some other difficulties that I tend to see is um, not being able to hold your breath sufficiently. And so when you ask people, can you hold your breath, their automatic reply is yes, of course. Like I've swam before or, you know, like I've tried to see how long I could go holding my breath when I was a kid or something like that. But then it's time for them to perform this false breath that I described earlier. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, you're breathing, right? Like, I can hear the air going into your nose. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I have to tell them, okay, use your fingers, plug your nose. And, um, you know, just make it very um, basic and elementary for them so that they can understand. That's an interesting one. I have found that my patients who were swimmers, do better at this exercise than Mm -hmm. others because they have to hold their breath and they, for some reason, I guess it's because they tend to also have, I don't want to say loose, but their shoulder joints and their scapula or their shoulder blade is more mobile. And that is like a key thing too, in being able to get that rib expansion. So they tend to do better with these kinds of exercises. Have you noticed that too? Um, So I actually have not taught the technique to swimmers, but one of the cues that we use is like you're swimming um, and you, you know, you want to propel yourself underwater, but you're not um, going to breathe. Otherwise, you're going to let air and I mean water into your lungs. So Mm -hmm. that's a cue that we use. But I think I found that difficult to explain to people because I don't swim so I'm like yeah like you're underwater you get it right I don't swim either so I do not use (laughs) so what I've learned to use that works really well for me is like sipping on a milkshake right that's Mm. really thick and it's hard to get that last bit of milkshake I I use that cue because a lot of people have you know, drank a milkshake before, myself included. So. That's a good yeah. one. Have you ever taught it and and a patient was not able to get it? Yeah, I actually have a patient right now who is, you know, 
conceptually understanding of what the technique requires, but um, she's just limited um, with her abdominal tension because her situation, she's actually a chronic constipation patient. Mm -hmm. And so there's just no mobility of those abdominal muscles. Like everything is super tense. And so we're just working on softening up those tissues and gradually I'm able to see her get it a little bit more, but it does require some hands-on techniques for certain patients because of that difficulty. Oh yeah. I have had patients in the past where I explain it and it's much easier to try to do it. So I will explain it at first and then say, don't worry, we'll try to do it and see how it goes. And then sometimes we try and then give different cues and different tactile cues, like, you know, place my hands in certain, on certain points of their body and say, okay, do this here, do that there, and give them some cueing, um, like verbally, like, okay, pretend that you're doing X, Y, Z, whatever. And they just can't get it. They can't, they can't wrap their head around what they're supposed to do and they can't physically get what they're supposed to do. And after a few tries, I'm like, it's okay. That's just one thing that we can try for this. Let's try something different. And we move on and it's no big deal. But the patients who yeah. get it, we we take it and we run and we see how far we can get with it. And it works really well. And those that get it pretty much right away, they like it and they want to do more of it. So I give them more of it. I have had maybe one or two patients who are just like, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh. No worries. Because I I think there might just also be some other things going on with holding your breath that makes some people anxious. Absolutely. No worries. We don't Mm -hmm. have to do that. We can do something else. Again, this is just one thing that we can, we can try. There's so many other things and exercises that we can do. So we roll with something else. Yeah. I think it's so funny that you've had patients tell you that they don't like it because for, from my perspective, having difficulty with doing it early on, every time I teach someone, I'm super excited. <laughs> and so I think it's hard for them to not like it when they see how happy I am. I'm like, you're doing it, you're doing it. <laughs> you know, it is really exciting when they get it because it's like, wow, this, it's really complicated. It's not it simple. Is. I will say it took me, I want to say maybe it was a year. Yeah. It took me a while, maybe it wasn't, I don't remember, but it took me a while to actually mm-hmm. figure it out because I wasn't taught it. I didn't take a class or anything. I was kind of learning it on my own. And by the time someone actually taught me how to do it, I was like, oh, pff, I just figured it out. <laughs> I just <laughs> actually learned the technique and was already using it. So it, was, it wasn't very fun like for me at that point because I was like oh that's it I was already doing <laughs> I was already yeah. doing that but it did take me a while it is challenging to learn to understand and it's challenging to teach someone else the technique right. so when they do get it it's really exciting <laughs> <laughs> yep I agree so what kinds of conditions are you using these exercises for I use it a lot in my constipation patients because just like I explained before, when the diaphragm goes up, you actually get a massaging of all of those abdominal contents. So the large intestine and everything that is pretty local to those organs really get a good lift because, you know, sometimes those organs aren't working proficiently on their own at that time. And so 
um, this massage that occurs with the low pressure fitness is really beneficial for them. And this is after that they, after they've had some softening of the abdominal walls. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That's necessary for them. Mm -hmm. Um, This does wonders in the patient population that has prolapse, pelvic organ prolapse, because of that inadvertent pelvic floor lift and strengthening that you get with the abdominal vacuum, it helps to also bring up those organs that have prolapsed. So that's your bladder, your uterus, or your rectum for those that don't know. And I find that patients respond very quickly. Um, So even though I have to explain, I have to do more explaining than actual practice early on. Once I have taught the technique, people buy in because they're able to see the results rather quickly. And you so can feel it right away too. Absolutely. You do it correctly. You're like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a game changer since I've been yeah. implementing it into my practice. It has, I, I can honestly say that it has transformed the way that I practice as a clinician because it's just that beneficial. That's sure. great. That's great. Mm-hmm. I find I also use it for individuals with uh, diastasis recti. Do you find that as well? Yes. So I actually have a patient with a three finger gap right now. And, you know, because she respected me, she listened to my whole spiel on low pressure fitness. <laughs> but I could see in her face that she was not buying into it. Aww. She she wasn't, but like I told you, I'm very excited about it. So I just kept talking, right? <laughs> I'm like, I just want you to try. I want you to try. So she performs the vacuum for the very first time, and I place my fingers in her diastasis, and I say to her, do you see how I can't go in your gap? Right. She's like, you're right. My gap is closed. This was during the time of her apnea, so the vacuum. And she's like, yeah, like there's no divot there there's no hole in my belly and I'm like yes that is low pressure fitness for you (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) and she was sold (laughs) she was sold so now she's doing low pressure fitness and she's excited too (laughs) yeah so I will say anytime there's a talk I I do a workshop somewhere anywhere whether it's a podcast an interview in person a workshop and there's questions, it never fails. Most people want to hear about, what do I do for diastasis recti? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And if you don't know, <laughs> like you're the one person who doesn't know what that is, right? It's the abdominal separation. It's like the new black right now. Right? <laughs> like you got diastasis it. Yep. is the new black. Like everyone's talking about it. Everyone has it or thinks they have it. And everyone mm-hmm. wants to do exercises to treat it, right? And I find that this exercise is, it gives you the most bang for your buck. If you can get this exercise, your gap will minimize, you will develop more tension in the abdominal muscles. It just works really, really well. And I started practicing this because of my own diastasis recti that I had after Mm. my first baby. I have three. After my first, I had it. I had it during pregnancy, but I had it throughout my first. Didn't even know until it was a year postpartum because I I wasn't even a PT at the time. I was still in school and I just assumed it was going to get better, but it wasn't. 
And it was after my second, after my second baby was born and my gap was larger the second time around because more stretch, looser muscles, I started practicing hypopressive exercises and I improved significantly in a very short amount of time once I got the technique down. I did have some restrictions. We talked about restrictions and limitations. You know, your constipation and tight abdominal wall is a limitation. For me, because I had a C-section with my first baby, that was my restriction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My scar tissue was my restriction. I worked as best as I could around it. Fast forward to my third baby. another (laughs) c-section the second was vaginal so my third was another c-section i started hyperpressive exercises almost immediately that restriction that i had from the first was no longer there because i was fresh out of surgery theoretically (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i just kept doing hyperpressives in order to make my tissues more mobile because of the vacuum i know it pulls everything upwards i wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that i maintained that flexibility and didn't form any more scar tissue by doing hypopressive exercises and i got pretty far into my healing and recovery again in a short amount of time because i was doing my hypopressive exercises that is so beautiful i'm smiling from ear to ear (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like you said it's so effective once you get the technique right and so that's why like if you go on my instagram bio it says i love hypopressives (laughs) i'm that passionate about it it's such a game changer i think everybody should be doing it men men or women you know Mm -hmm. it's you know, because in this country, we're so reactive and not proactive. And what I'm trying to do is just get people to be proactive about their physical fitness and their well-being. And I think hypopressives are such a great way to do that because it really is, of course, um, focused on the abdomen and the pelvic floor, but it's a whole body exercise as well. It is. Oh, yeah. In the very beginning, how you described it was it was a postural exercise. So yep. it improves your posture. So I start there with my my patients. Like, it's going to improve your posture. It's going to improve your breathing. And it's mm-hmm. going to strengthen your entire core. Runs back, top, bottom, and sides. <laughs> like, everywhere. Yeah. It's just going to strengthen your core and you're just going to feel better overall. Just like with any other exercise, it gives you like this high. This gives you a high too. (laughs) It's good (laughs) after you've done a few. It's like, ah, that feels great. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. You already have some videos on your Instagram. Is there anywhere else that you have videos? Um, So they're on my Instagram right now, but even if you were to go on my website, my website links directly to my Instagram. I post mostly on Instagram, but um, people can certainly reach out to me for one-on-one consultations and things like that. All right. So that was the other question I was going to ask. Are you able to teach someone virtually? Yes, I am. And I know it because I have done it. (laughs) So, Like I said, um, having struggled through it, I know all the loopholes. So there is not one person that, you know, (laughs) slips under my radar. Like we're going to get these hypopressives down. (laughs) So yes, I've taught hypopressives virtually a number of times. 
and people do uh, get a grasp on it rather quickly. Anyone will be able to reach you if they want to learn it virtually or in person um, if they're not, if they are in your local area. Right, absolutely. All right, so the last thing I would like to know is what do you do for self-care? What does that look like for you? (sighs) That is such a beautiful question, especially during a pandemic season. (laughs) Um, So the not PT answer (laughs) is, you know, like, I just love comfort food. I do. I have put on the COVID weight just like everybody else, (laughs) but I'm losing it. (laughs) Um, So like just having a good time with friends and family, trying out new restaurants. Um, But Mm. I, you know, often have my times of meditation and reading and just checking in with self. I'm one of those people that I know the impact of isolation. And so I'm always reaching out to close friends to tell them to check me if they see something out of character and I'm definitely willing to check (laughs) them (laughs) it goes both ways (laughs) and so like just building healthy relationships with people that are like-minded you know and just focusing on you know building my my best self day in and day out so a lot of personal reflection that's good that all sounds really really excellent um the one thing I do want to ask from that is since you do like to try new foods and try different restaurants what is your favorite okay so um of course I'm sure you've heard my name is not typical um (laughs) comes from a Nigerian background so I love African food especially Mm. West African food I cannot go wrong there but if I had (laughs) to be adventurous I'd say um Hispanic food is a very close second. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, yes, I just love all kinds of food also. So <laughs> <laughs> all of that sounds really good. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing all that wonderful information. I think a lot of people would be really interested in learning about hypopressive exercises and what they can help with just because it's so novel, but it's also so effective. Yeah, definitely. So make sure everyone can reach out to you quite easily. So my website is iomept.com. So that's A-Y-O-M as in Mary, I-P-T as in physicaltherapy.com. And if there are any questions whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me that way. And I'm pretty good with responding within 24 hours. So I'd love to hear from all of you. I'm pretty sure there will be questions because, like I said, this is not <laughs> something that you can visualize. You have to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta see it. And I'm sure people will want to try it. So, yeah. Thanks yeah. again. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us in the Kegel Room this week. Be on the lookout for new episodes every other Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, or leave us a message. And as always, share with a friend or two. Until next time, sisters, may your pelvic floor be healthy and strong, just like you. Peace.